שלום עליכם, שבוע טוב, חג שמח, חג קשה ושמח to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, a station that the broadcasts only דברי תורה, דברי מוסר, דברי התעוררות, דברי הלכה, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC, and I'm going to say a few words about the parasha, parashat tzav, and perhaps at the end we have a little time to say something, a chidush about the Haggadah. The parasha starts with tzav et aharon ve'et banav lemor. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem instructs Moshe Rabbeinu to go ahead and command Aharon to do something. In this case, we're talking about the Korban Ola. Korban Ola is a sacrifice that gets burnt up. No flesh stays, everything is burnt up with the exception of the hide, the skin, which the Kohen takes. Now, here it says command. Normally, it says, Daber el Aharon, speak to him. But here it's commanding, you know, it's something much stronger t- type of order. So Rashi brings the Midrash. He says, En tzav ela lashon ziruz miyad veladorot. Three things. Tzav means ziruz, to be diligent in doing something, doing a, a mezvah, in fulfilling a command of Hashem. Miyad, meaning immediately, do not delay. Veladorot, again, to the next generations, to teach the children also to do the same kind of work. So why over here is so special? It has to say tzav instead of dabir. Amar Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Beyoter sarich hakatuv lizarez bemakom sheishbo chesronkis that the Torah is urging on the Kohanim in this particular case because there is chesron kis, meaning there's not much benefit to the Kohen. Normally, a person brings a hatat, then he gets the part of the flesh that he eats. Here, he doesn't eat it. He only has the high, which is not, is not much. So because there is not much benefit here, Perhaps he might be a little bit lazy and not do, do the, uh, the mitzvah properly. So he says, command him. Time to be diligent, to make an effort. So this is a question here of ziruz, diligence, ignorance to do a, and fulfill a mitzvah. Now, you see, this kind of thing here, ziruz, meaning to be always uh, 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 willing and, and, and to have in mind always to be diligent in fulfilling a mitzvah, put in the time, the effort that it requires to do a mitzvah, take action in doing a mitzvah. That's a very important thing. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to bring, first of all, a, an illustration from the Mishkan. As you know, we've been learning about the Mishkan for quite a while now. Um, you know, there were five parashiyot speaking about the construction of the Mishkan. 
And it, it says over there, Vayabi'u et ha-mishkan el Moshe. The Bnei Yisrael brought the Mishkan to Moshe. What does that mean? Moshe Rabbeinu himself did not participate directly in the actual manufacture of the parts of the Mishkan. Of course, he was uh, uh, very crucial in, in conveying the instructions from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the people, but not direct participation. Uh, so it says, The Bnei Yisrael brought the Mishkan. You have to understand one thing. In this particular case with the Mishkan, it's an unbelievable thing that was done. Imagine if you were to build a synagogue. And in order to build a synagogue, you need a certain X amount of money. Let's say a, a beautiful synagogue will cost maybe $10 million. And how long normally will it take you to collect the $10 million? Yeah, well, probably a couple of years, maybe more. Well, simple. Where do you get all that money from? In Mishkan, we're not talking about $10 million. We're talking about the equivalent of maybe $100 million. Something unbelievable. It, it, it is hardly uh, an amount that you could, they could, they could put in over there. If you look at the amount of gold that was used, the Torah says something like almost 30 kikar of gold alone. A kikar is about 100 pounds. So you talk about 30 kikar, 3,000 pounds. Multiply that by 16 to get the ounces and multiply that by $1,200. You're talking about $60 million of gold alone. And how long did it take them to collect everything, not just the gold? Two days. Baboke, baboke. They brought in, the, the, the Midrash says, it says baboke twice, which means that they were bringing in the contributions in two days. They were able to get more than enough to build the Mishkan. And I'm not even talking about the labor. The labor involved here is, is, is unbelievable. I mean, they didn't have any machinery in those days. What did they have in hand? A hammer? Maybe a chisel? Imagine, sometimes it's mind-boggling to say to myself, they had the kerashim, the beams. They were amava hatsi ama. Roughly, uh, even if you say ama is, uh, uh, is a foot and a half, so you're talking about 27 inches. How do you make a hole, a perfect hole, through 27 inches of of wood. It's not simple. They didn't have any uh, 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 bits that we have today. That it's okay, it's not a big deal. But over there, how do you make a perfect one through all of them? And they did that in order to put a rod through all of them in order to hold the, the beams together. But at any rate, it took him only 70 days to build the Mishkan. From the 15th of Tishrei until Kafhei of Kislev. Because they waited until Nisan before they finally, uh, Hashem told them, go ahead, now you start putting it up. But when the Bnei Israel came, after all the work, all the effort, the diligence they put in, they could not put it up together. And they went to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Moshe Rabbeinu. Ben Amram, they said, which is not such a nice way of calling him, said, hey, you told us to put in money, we did. Work, we did. Time we put in. Our skills we put in. But he told us also it's going to be a Mishkan and a Shekhinah is going to come down. How is that going to happen? We can't put it up. No matter how we try, it just won't, uh, won't, won't be erected. And Moshe Rabbeinu went to Hashem and Hashem said to him, okay, you did not participate in the actual manufacture of the parts. You're going to be crucial in putting it together. Moshe Rabbeinu came, somehow tried to pull, put up the krashim, the beams, and beside boom, it was there. Finally, it was okay. And that's what it says later on, Vayakim Moshe eta mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that erected the mishkan. So now we have here so, uh, uh, something that uh, doesn't jive well. First it says, Vayabiu Israel eta mishkan. Looks like Israel gets the credit. But then it says, Moshe put up the Mishkan. The idea is because the, the Bnei Israel had put in the effort, the, the, the toil, the amilut, uh, in, 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 and the labor, uh, and the diligence, the zeroes that they had in order to put it up, they're still getting credit even though the last, the last thing, the last step wasn't done by them, was done by Moshe Rabbeinu, we still get the credit for it. It's a very important thing that we have in, in our religion. If a person, uh, we say, we say the, the Gemara says in Yerushalmi, Anu amelim vehem amelim. We toil, and they, the Goim, toil. But it says, Anu amelim umkabelim sechar. We toil, we labor, we get reward for it. Hem amelim velumekabelim sechar. But they, they also work and they toil, they, but they don't get any reward. What does that mean? How's that possible? And we know the goyim, if you give them something to do uh, for you, you're going to have to pay them. But there's a difference. We're talking about now the, the amilut, the labor that a person puts in. If you go to a tailor and tell him, I would like you to make me a suit. He takes the measurements, puts everything down, says, okay, come back in two weeks. This tailor works for two weeks. He makes the suit. The man comes back, tries to put on the suit. It doesn't fit. Not fit. The sleeves are too short and the pants is too long and the jacket uh, that, that doesn't close, he doesn't get paid. What about all the work that he did so far? Doesn't matter. He still doesn't get paid. He only get paid with a finished product. Not with the effort. Not with the zeros that is done all throughout the fabrication of the item. The same thing here. Vayabi'u b'nei Israel et ha-mishkan. Hashem, the Torah, is crediting them for doing the Mishkan even though they could not do the final, uh, the final step of putting it up together. But they put in the time, the effort. 
It was the same thing with the menorah. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu the specifications of the menorah. The menorah is going to have so many branches, uh, so many flowers, so many cups, and uh, uh, so many buttons, and so on, this way, that way. And uh, he told him, go, go make it. Go ahead, let it, make it. They couldn't. Nobody could do it. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to show you what it looks like. And he showed them a menorah. Actually, a menorah of, 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 of fire. Say, okay, this is it. Go make it. Still, could not be done. So what happened at the end is, says, the menorah was uh, made by itself. A miracle. Hashem. Hashem did it. Eventually, it was done by itself. Now, the question is, if so, why didn't Hashem make them in the first place? Why does he have to refer the specifications and he goes and uh, tries to figure out what to do and spends time on it? Can't figure it out. Then he shows him the diagram in, 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 a, in a fire picture and still can't be done. Why all that? Because that itself gets a sakha. It is not the final step that counts. It's all the, the, the effort that the person puts in. If you, put in, if you, if you learn a sugya v'gemara and you spend two weeks on it, and at the end of the two weeks you still don't understand it, it does not mean that those two weeks went in vain. You'll still be getting a reward for that. Rabbeinu Yonah, he puts it very beautifully with a mashal, a parable. He says a man, a wealthy man, had a swimming pool. And he wanted to fill it up with water. And there was a river about 100 yards away. So he hired two people. He, he gave each one a pail. And he told him, you know, go to the river. Fill up the pail, come back over here, and pour it into the pool so you'll fill the pool. I'm going to be paying you $12 an hour. Every hour that you work, you're going to get paid. Okay. They take the pails, and they go to the river, and as they're coming, they notice that there's a hole in the bottom of the pail. And as they're walking, the water leaks out. And by the time they get to the... Uh, to the pool, hardly anything left. So one of the workers says to the other, look, wasting, wasting our time. We're not going to be able to fill this pool over here. But the other one answered him, what do you care? You're getting paid by the hour. Every hour that you work, you're getting paid. Even if you don't fill up the pool, the boss will pay you. When you're learning Torah, when you're doing the mitzvot, every hour or minute that you spend on that mitzvah or that you spend on, 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 on the learning and the studying, you get the sakhar for that. That is the beauty. And this is what is teaching us. Tzav command to have ziruz, 
to be diligent, put in the time, the effort, the action. Also, miyad. Don't delay. You see a mitzvah, mitzvah baliyadcha, altach mitzena. Don't delay. You see a mitzvah coming? Do it. Because if you delay, then what's going to happen is you may not do it at all. Keep on delaying, delaying, it's not going to happen. And finally, la dorot. Is to, to, for the future for the generations, we have to teach them to do the same thing. This is, was said to the Kohanim, but this applies to every one of us. Whenever we want to do mitzvah, well, we have to do it in the same manner. And there's a mitzvah coming now, a big one, more than one. Lil Pesach. Lil Pesach, we have what we call Sipurit Si'at Mitzrayim. That is to tell the story of the Exodus to our children. To tell them about all the Nisim Niflaot, all the miracles and wonders that Hashem brought upon the Egyptians in order to save us and redeem us from Egypt. Now, this very interesting thing about the Haggadah, which I'd like to bring up now, the famous four questions, right? A child is going to ask four questions. One of them is how come, you know, during the year, you know, we don't do any dipping. Now we dip twice. Uh, during the year, we can eat chamez uh, or we can eat uh, matzah, either one. It's tonight only matzah. Other, during the year, we can eat any uh, vegetables. Or this is tonight, we eat maror, bitter. And finally, during the year, it uh, setting up, and tonight uh, we recline. And what does the father answer? Avadim hayinu lefarov misraim. We were slaves to Paro in Egypt. Vayotzienu Hashem elokenu misham hakadosh baruchu got us out of there. Now, how? Does this answer fit the question? He's asking questions about dipping, questions about reclining, questions about the, the maror, and so on. And how does Avadim, like this, this answer seems to, to be like a, 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 general, a general answer for all these questions. How? Well, I, you can say Pashat Pshati was telling him, the father is telling him about uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the Sipur, the Yetziat Mitzrayim, and uh, okay, and he's, he's answering him by telling him, okay, this was a Sipur, that's just what happened. But perhaps we can do something different. Perhaps we can understand it this way. The, this son seems to be a smart kid. And the son is a little bit confused here. Why? Because in the four questions that he's asking, two of them seem to recall a happy occasion. The other two seem to recall a sad occasion. When we talk about the dipping, the dipping was done only by the nobles, not the poor people. That's, that's, that's a happy thing. Uh, we talk about the uh, matzah. 
The matzah was given to the aniim, to the poor people. But, uh, but on the other hand, we talk about Yoshvin, Misubin, reclining. That was done by the nobles. Uh, matzah, by the way, also had to do with a happy occasion also because when they left, as we say in the Haggadah, the matzah didn't have time to rise. So that's a happy occasion, but they were leaving. Was it Siat Mitzrayim? So here we have, you know, something that commemorates a happy occasion and a sad occasion. So the kid is a little bit, is confused. Which way is it? So the father says the following. We know when this thing, when 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 did the Bnei Israel leave Egypt? Midnight. Midnight, Hashem, he He smote all the Bechurim. And after that, boom, Paro himself got up. Okay, go, go, go away. Go. Now, what does this mean? It means that the night before the Hatsi, the, the first part of the night, they were officially still slaves. The second part of the night, they were free. So uh, the father is answering, I know your confusion, my son, but the reason why we have both happy occasions and, and, and celebrating also is because that night, this night of Pesach, the first part of it we were slaves. But the second part, by the second part, we're free already. That's happy. We're happy. <coughs> the night was divided into two, two parts. Actually, this is also symbolized by the tray that we have. We have a tray with the matzah, zeruah, the egg, maror, haroset, and the karpas, and so on. Well, a number of these, again, recall happy occasion. I mean, the Zeroah recalls the Korban Pesah. That was happy, happy occasion. The egg is the Korban Hagiga. The Matzah, not time, there was not, not enough, time to, enough time to rise there for the, the left. Those happy occasions. But then the Maror, that, that, that recalls the Vaymarut Hayyihim Kasha. The Egyptians embittered the lives of our forefathers. The haroset recalls the mortar uh, with which uh, they, they used to make the bricks, hard labor. The karpas dipped in salt water to recall the tears. So eat the tray also, we have half and a half. Why? Because the night, this night of Pesach that you're sitting now and retelling the story, our ancestors, one half of it were officially, they were still slaves. The other half. They already were free people. So Rabbutai, this Pesach, when you're sitting with your children and you're telling them, don't be short on words. You are praised if you really tell all the Sipurim, all the tells, the Midrashim, whatever you could say. And and you have to emphasize 
the wonders, the miracles that Hashem did, the ten makot, the splitting of the sea, the man that they had, all these things which are nisim gluim, nisim that no one can possibly deny. These are, it's not something they can say, oh, it was natural. can't be. The nisim that Hashem did specifically for the Bnei Israel. And this is why we always say, just like the days of Mitzrayim, we ask him to show and to, 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 to show us more, to do more Nisim. Now, why Kimetsetenu? Because at that time, the Nisim were Nisim Gluim. It was Nisim that everyone saw. Shamu Amimir Gazun. The whole world, all the nations knew about it. And by that Hashem, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will show us Nisim Niflaot, again, bringing us the Mashiach, then all the, all the nations of the world will be Shamu Amimir Gazun. And they will all come back and recognize the yokeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem, Usandras Mashiach, Sitkenu Amen. Please uh, make sure now this Pesach now, uh, you know that this station has been working for a number of years and the, uh, there's, there's no advertising here. It's, it's all relying on your heart and your willingness to contribute. Please try to do the best you can. And if you have a simha, why don't you call us SLC? We have a beautiful social hall and we can accommodate your simhaot. Hag Sameach to all of you. It is cool, Shanim Rabot.